Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. Great to see you this morning. And I tell you what, I don't know, if you uh, aren't feeling the season, then um, I don't know how to help you. Because <laughs> I love it, right? Christmas is the greatest. It is. It's just such a wonderful time of year. And uh, I know with saying that, that there are times where we look back, and uh, I know personally I can look back at certain Christmases that uh, weren't necessarily what we would call the best, right? There's times where there's sadness. There's times where there's sorrow. Uh, there are times where I know for some, even here right now, uh, that it's difficult. And I appreciate that, praying for you and that. Uh, in the same breath, I think, what a hope we have in Christ Jesus. What a precious truth we have of salvation, not by our efforts, not because of anything we could ever do, not because of anything that God has imposed upon us because he knows what we're incapable of, but rather what Christ has done for us and what a beautiful opportunity to celebrate that. If you look at Acts chapter 13, we're going to get right into this, and I just want to share with you about the message of this salvation. Paul is speaking to a group of people at a synagogue. He's speaking to Jews. He's also speaking to God-fearing Gentiles. They have read from the law. They have read the prophets. They have sat down, and then they go to Paul, and they go to their company who has come to be a part of this, and they ask Paul, you got anything to say? And if you do, say it. (laughs) I think that's hilarious because you're going to, you're kidding me, right? As if Paul didn't have something to say. So Paul stands up, and he begins to share with them The message of this salvation. We're going to look at just the first part of this. I want to tie it in. I think it's so appropriate to Christmas time and the joy and and just the story that God has given to us. In verse 26, he says, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. I, I wonder if we realize that for us this message has been sent. The idea of sending here is that God the Father has a specific message through Jesus Christ to humanity concerning salvation. For all humanity. Not just one particular group, but all humanity. When we think about Christmas time, we think about the message of Christmas. We think about the message of Christ and what God has done for us. He sent his son to the cross in order to die, to shed his blood, so that we might receive, not achieve, but receive forgiveness of our sin. That we might be reconciled with the Father, we might be reconciled to God, that we might experience God and have eternal life. This message has been sent to us. Now, clearly, Paul is talking to those at that synagogue, but I think that message resonates. I believe that that message reverberates throughout all of human history, future. All the different individuals that would come into contact with the message of Christmas, the message of this salvation, the message of what God has done for us is amazing. Verse 27, he goes into some of the details. And he says this, For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, 
fulfilled these by condemning him. And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. That's an amazing passage. There's four different things that I'm getting out of this. And as I began to read through this and just prayerfully consider what it is that Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, how God is using this and and how that pertains to us, there's four different things that come out of this to me. The first is a danger of familiarity, a hardness of hearing or a hardness of heart. Look at verse 27. He says, those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about the religious people. He's talking about the leaders. He's talking about those, and we can put it into our context, that are in the church that are in authoritative positions. He's talking about the Sanhedrin. He's talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes. He's talking about the religious leaders at this point. He says, those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers. So he's not just talking about the rulers and the leaders in the sense of the Sanhedrin. He's also talking about those who were yelling, crying at the top of their voice, crucify him. They should have known better. But in the midst of it, they rejected what God had done. They rejected what God had said. What does he say about them? They did not recognize him nor the utterances of the prophets. Now what is he talking about? The the utterances is a fancy word for voices. Is he talking about voices from the past? No, he's talking about the word of God. He's talking about how the prophets had written down those things which were to come to pass concerning the Messiah. They did not recognize him or the utterances of the prophets. And he says, which are read every Sabbath. Every time they come together, this is read. Every time they had come together, things about the Messiah are shared from the word of God. And they didn't recognize him. They didn't listen. They had become familiar with what they were hearing, and they liked the form more than the message. That's challenging, isn't it? Recognize means to understand. To recognize, to embrace something, to understand what you're hearing and to listen to it. How often do we hear the word and yet don't listen? How many times have we celebrated Christmas, but perhaps we have, we have tuned it out? We get so caught up in all the, the forms of it. And I personally like some of those forms. I like Christmas trees. Some people have said, well, we shouldn't do... Hey, Chris, God created Christmas trees. And these, are, these got light on them. You know what I'm saying? I like that. Why? Because it, it reminds me that God is the author of everything. He created all things. And light, he is the light. So I'm sorry, those of you who don't like Christmas trees and you don't like light, God bless you. We can argue about that in the next millennium, okay? I'm not, do not come and talk to me about that. And don't send me an email, okay? I understand the noise. And there's a lot of it. I understand that this is a world system. And there's a lot of distraction from the truth of what Christmas is all about. Did you see the report the other day, I think this is fascinating. I, I wish I could be an astronaut. I, I w- it would be so cool. My wife is like, no way. 
never. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> I think it'd be so cool, man. I don't know what the, the thrust of those engines getting you off gravity and getting you up, and some of you know that, and God bless that's, I think it'd be incredible. I'd like to see the view. And have you heard the report that when it's Christmas time, that you can actually look at the United States and you can see how much brighter it is than normal because of all the Christmas lights. Yes! That's awesome! Come on! That means there's a whole lot of people that celebrate Christmas and praise God for it. Maybe some don't do it for the right reasons. Maybe some have ulterior motives. I don't know. I don't care. But Christ is the central theme of Christmas. And when we have people that are, they are celebrating Christmas, let's share with them the true meaning of what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus Christ. I met a guy at Target. I spent my whole life yesterday at Target, right? <laughs> it was hilarious. Oh, it was funny. Jonathan, bless his heart, he was with me for the first part of my life at Target. And he literally was almost laying down on the floor. I mean, it was, like, it was, it was classic. It was like when we were coming home from Burma and he fell asleep in the, in the uh, uh, airport, you know. But anyway, the guy was telling me, he said, oh, he goes, Cherry Hill Subdivision. He goes, I went over there, and, and he said, across the street, there's some guy that's hooked it up where all the lights go with the music. And he said, we just sat there and watched it for an hour. And that's great. Listen, we have an opportunity at Christmas time to share what Christmas is all about. And folks, this is a form thing. The heartbeat of it is the salvation message that God has given to us. Are we sharing that? When people say happy holidays, look, don't, don't throw the word holiday out. It means holy day. That's okay. It's when they tell us that we can't call Christmas Christmas, or they tell us that's not a Christmas tree, it's a holiday tree, or they call it something else. Well, that's nonsense. Let's just be honest about it. When somebody says happy holidays to you, maybe they do have some other form of worship during this season of the year. Fine. Say back to them, Merry Christmas. Let them know that this is the season about Christ and we celebrate it for that reason. Listen. When he talks here about the familiarity of the people, they were listening to the word of God. They had this form in mind. They weren't hearing the message from God about salvation. Have we become dull of hearing? And we get caught up in the forms rather than hearing the heartbeat of God in the midst of the message that he has for us. Secondly, there's a crisis of belief. Verse 28 says, they found no ground for putting the Lord to death. They had no reason. They actually asked Pilate that he would be executed in verse 28. They were so hard of hearing. They had missed the message so completely that they would rather hang on to the form and kill Jesus to keep their form, to keep their religion intact. There was a crisis of belief. 
They didn't have any legal grounds spiritually or otherwise to execute the Lord. They refused to believe. They refused to repent. They refused to acknowledge their need of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who shed his blood and offers to each and every individual salvation by grace through faith. Refused. Have we? Have we? Are we hard of heart? We're not listening, and we would rather hang on to our form. And so all of a sudden we get into this moment where there's a crisis of belief. Are we going to trust God or not? Are we going to follow God or not? Sometimes God calls us to uncomfortable things. Because he wants to teach us. He wants to grow us. He wants us to experience him in the midst of it. Are we willing to follow? Thirdly, there's the fulfillment of scriptures. Verse 29 says, when they had carried out all that was written concerning him. I I think that's an amazing statement. Are are these people that are saying, yes, Lord? (laughs) No. They're absolutely an abject rebellion towards God. And yet, what does Paul say? They had carried out all that was written concerning him. You know, when we choose to say yes to the Lord, we get to experience God. We get to experience his working in our lives as well as through our lives. We get to watch him at work all around us, orchestrating things. And if you, if you study the book of Acts at all, you will recognize that this is not the book of the Acts of the Apostles. This is the book of the Acts of Jesus Christ through the church, through the body of Christ. This is what the Lord did through the Holy Spirit, being sent into every individual that believes in him and how God accomplished these things, how God orchestrated these things. You can see it story after story after story after story. Even when we choose not to walk with God, do we somehow think that we can stop God and what his purposes are? Absolutely not. God will accomplish his will. And we can see that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very clear that from the days before, the prophets had already written it down. It was already inspired by the Holy Spirit. The story was already there. People were refusing to listen to it. But God had decreed that this would take place. And so even though these people were rebellious, even though they were hard of heart and hearing, even though they were holding to their form of religion rather than getting the message from God, God was still at work. God used their rebelliousness in order to accomplish his purposes. That's humbling. (laughs) That's humbling. Because there's times as believers where we get off the path, where we, we suddenly fall off and we, we get tripped up. I, I'm so grateful for 1 John 1, 9, aren't you? That the Lord is willing to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess to him, agree with him, that we tripped and we stumbled. Praise God for that. In the midst of this, Paul says, they had carried out all that was written concerning him. The scripture was fulfilled. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's, I think, important to note how much emphasis Paul, as well as the other 
apostles, how much emphasis they place on Scripture. Constantly, they're referring back to the Old Testament in order to establish the veracity of what God has done through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God was fulfilled in every detail by Christ Jesus. The Lord himself said, I don't do anything out of my own initiative. Everything that I do, everything that I say is directly from the Father. That's incredible. Everything he did. He had a perfect relationship with the Father. He walked on this earth in perfect unity with his Father, being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And everything that we see him doing and saying are directly from the Father for him to do, for him to say. What a picture to us of what it means to walk with God. Listening carefully. Stepping out when he says step out. Stopping when he says to stop. Jesus fulfilled everything concerning what the Old Testament had to say about his life. This was not a coincidence or a feel-good story. This wasn't just a good man. This wasn't somebody that just came with a good heart and he was concerned about individuals, though he certainly was that. This is about God's way of providing salvation for us. This message of salvation. The word of God is fulfilled. Jesus going to the cross was ordained by God. Lastly, there's the sacrifice of the lamb. They took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. The Lord gave his life as a ransom for many as a payment in order to purchase us off the slave block of sin. He humbled himself by becoming a bondservant and literally going to the cross to die, even the death on the cross. His humility in this. I don't know what it was like when the Lord gave up his spirit. We know the centurion's response. Surely this is the Son of God. The veil was torn, the earth shook, darkness covered the land. People were even raised from the dead and began to proclaim the gospel, proclaim about Christ, the message. I don't know what it was like to be Mary at that particular moment or those who were close to the Lord. The grief that they must have had. We know that it didn't end there. But the lamb gave his life. The lamb was sacrificed so that we might be made right with God. That we might have a restored relationship. That we might enter into a fellowship with God. Christ provided that as the sacrificial lamb. Verse 30 ought to be underlined, circled, colored, Memorized everything. But God raised him from the dead. Is that not awesome? Think about that. I've been reading that all week and I can't get it out of my mind. But God raised him from the dead. They took him off the cross. They put him in a tomb. But God raised him 
from the dead. Folks, that is the message of Christmas. Christ came to this earth to go to the cross, but God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah! (laughs) That's what this is all about. Come on, get excited or something. It's Christmas. Think about this. God intervened. The just one could not condemn. God raised him from the dead. How is it that we know that we have a hope? How is it that we experience God on a daily basis? How is it that we know that we have life eternal? How is it that we know that our sins are forgiven? How do we know any of that stuff? I want to tell you something. It's because of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Because as Paul said, if the resurrection did not take place, then we of all men are most to be pitied. What are we even here for? The resurrection is central. It is of first importance. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. He says, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received. He didn't come up with it. It wasn't learned in a school somewhere. This was what he received. That Christ died for our sins according to what? The scriptures. Not human tradition. Not what's been passed on. But rather the word of God. And that he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Was it testified to? Absolutely. And Paul goes into that uh, in not only in 1 Corinthians, but also in the rest of the passage that we'll look at next week. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is an established historical fact. You can't get past it. Because Jesus rose again from the dead, all that he said is verified. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be equal and one with the Father. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we know that that claim is absolutely true. And we can rejoice in it. Praise God. This message of salvation, Christmas is a part of that message of salvation. The opportunity to praise the Lord and thank God for all that he's done, to recognize the true meaning of what Christmas is all about, is essential Verse 26, just to remind you, brethren, sons of Abraham's family, those among you who fear God, to us the message of this salvation has been sent. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. What a joy. There's several things to me that the Christmas message, being part of the salvation message, brings up, brings out. It's a message of humility. A message of humility. God, humble. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Have you thought about that? Have you really grasped that? Have you chewed on that one? The humility of God constantly offering himself to us to serve us. It's the kindness of God that leads all men to repentance. That word kindness means that there's nothing in Christ that would cause us to be repelled from him in the sense that he is willing to serve. He is useful to us and he makes himself available to us. 
He knows exactly what each and every one of us needs. Fundamentally, we need forgiveness of our sin. Individually, the uniqueness of our circumstance. And the Lord, in a sense, comes to us and he gives us a check and he says, you fill it in, I'm able to take care of it. It's amazing. The humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, put your name in there, for Eric's sake, For Jonathan's sake, for Holland's sake, for Stephanie's sake. Put your name in there. For your sake, even though he was rich, what did he do? He became poor. (laughs) The humility. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Are we talking about physical riches here? No, heaven's sakes. Way better than that. We're talking about eternal life. We're talking about life with God in a fellowship, a restored union with our creator forever. The humility of Christ. Christmas is a time to reflect on God's humility in even sending his own son. It's a message of sacrifice. Sometimes at Christmas, I think we lose sight of that. We celebrate the birth of Christ and amen to that. But we've got to always remember why he came. And he came in order to go to the cross to shed his blood. To be killed. A violent, brutal, detestable death. Indescribable. How Jesus suffered on the cross. For us. Ephesians 5.2 says, And walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. He gave his life. He gave himself up. For who? For us. So that we might be restored into a right relationship with God. Christmas is a message of hope. 1 Timothy 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus. And then he's got this little phrase here, right? Underline it, put brackets around it, because I think this is so important. Who is our hope? Did you catch that? He doesn't say that he just has hope to offer. That would be pretty cool in and of itself. But what he's saying is, is that Jesus Christ himself is our hope. See, when we know Christ and he's come to live within our lives, we've believed in him, we've received him, and he's given us the right to become children of God at that moment. We have hope. We don't have to do something to try to get it. We have it. Why? Because Christ has come to live within us. We have hope because we have Christ. Because Christ is our hope. 
You know what's interesting to me is we walk through, oh, you can, you can put it into all kinds of different categories. You can talk about it with regard to grace. You can talk about it with regard to life. You can talk about it with regard to hope. You can talk about it with regard to faith. You can talk about all these characteristics of the Christian life. And what you'll find more and more as you get into the Word of God, study the Word of God, reflect on the Word of God, and as the Spirit of God leads you and teaches you, what you will find is that Jesus Christ is all of those things for us. He is those things. He is our life. In this context, he is our hope. The person of Christ. Not just a philosophy. It's not just a descriptor. It's not something we got to try to figure out and wake up every morning to beat ourselves over the head in order to try to get. Well, you're without hope today? Oh, you better do 20 different things in order to get that right. No, no, no. Jesus Christ is our hope. You wake up in the morning, and I don't care what circumstance you walk in or what you're about to get into, what you're coming out of, it doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is your hope. The person of God in you is hope. Well, Christmas is also a message of peace. A message of peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, Not by works, not by what we could do for God, not even how sincere we may be in the doing of it. It is by faith, justified, being made right with God, just as if we had never sinned. By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with him by the means of, through, because of, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to experience the peace of God. There is no other way in order to enjoy peace on this earth with God. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I used to think of peace in a whole different way. I used to think of peace as being on the mountain. In a serene setting, looking out over Albuquerque. Steph and I enjoyed our 22nd anniversary Friday. And so, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) Praise God for that. We had a good time. We went up, and I appreciate women's ministry. Put a basket together for staff and and just blessed her and the other pastor's wives. And they included in that a card that had all bunch of different restaurants that it could go towards. And one of them was high finance. And it is high finance. So I was thankful for the card. I've never been on the tram before. And uh, so, yeah, that was kind of strange. I thought, man, I, I was listening to the guy when we got onto the tram. Man, I was stoked. I love stuff like that. And I just, I, just, I don't know why we just haven't done it. But um, he was saying, well, where are you all from? <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, I'm, I'm hiding under the chair. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to tell him I'm, I'm from Albuquerque. They'd be like, hey, you never did this before? What are you, stupid or what? <laughs> it was great. Philadelphia, New York, I mean, all over the country, right? So Stephanie, I hid behind Stephanie. I'm not ashamed to say that. But it was beautiful, right? We went up during the day. It was uh, gorgeous. We went up there. We sat. We had a wonderful seat. And we watched the sunset. And we watched the lights begin to come up. The, the sunlight go down. And the lights come up. And the, the sun hitting the clouds. Oh, my goodness. That's how we tend to think of peace, isn't it? We think if everything's all right and if everything's fine, if my 501K is doing good and I got money in the bank and I'm at a nice place and the food's cooked right, got a lovely 
beautiful wife, and I'm celebrating 22 years, and my kids, I love them dearly. Thank God for them every day. Really, I do. That's peace. No, 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 friends. My peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. See, the peace of God is when we have a right relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, all hell can be breaking loose around us. We can be in the middle of war. And we have the peace of God because we know that we're right with him. That's peace. That's what he's talking about. The message of Christmas is about how we can experience peace with God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.14, and again, and I'm telling you, you, you walk through this, you check me on this. He himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. When we have Christ living within us, he is our peace. And we have the opportunity of experiencing him every moment of every day, no matter what the circumstances are. In fact, Paul tells us, let the peace of Christ rule over your heart. That word rule means serve as the umpire. Serve as the umpire. As soon as you lose your peace, there's an infraction in the game. And the Holy Spirit starts blowing the whistle. He says, get back, get over here. You've lost your peace. You still have relationship with God. You can't lose your salvation. But we can break fellowship because we trip and we stumble and we sin and we need to come back and confess to the Lord, agree with him what he alone is able to do in our lives. And he's faithful and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. But there's times where we lose our peace. And and what Paul's saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is when you lose your peace, when you don't sense the peace of God internally with the Father through the Son, there's an infraction that needs to be made right. Make it right. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it serve as a flag to remind you of your walk with the Lord and your relationship with Christ. It's a message of joy. It's a message of joy. I love the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and following. I won't read the whole thing, but Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and following says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The message of this salvation has been sent to us. The message of Christmas is a part of that message of salvation. And it's a message of joy. You realize that we have the opportunity of experiencing God and the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. One of the characteristics of love is what? Joy. (laughs) Do we produce that joy? No, the fruit of the Spirit. This doesn't say the fruit of Eric. I can't produce it. But when I submit to the Lord and I yield my way to Christ, no matter what the circumstance may be, God in me, who is love, begins to produce through me his joy. Wow. So I get to experience him. We get to experience him. Christmas is a message of joy. 
because it's about Christ. John chapter 17, verse 13, in the Lord's Prayer, he says this, Now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have, what? My joy made full in themselves. Whose joy is it? It's God's joy. It's the Lord's joy. When you experience true joy, it's not because you came up with it. It's not because you produced it. It's because Christ in you is joy. And you get to experience God in the midst of circumstances, no matter what they may be. Christmas is a message of joy. Two more. It's a message of life. Colossians chapter 3 verse 4 says, When Christ, who is our life? Are, you, are we tracking this? <laughs> when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. What kind of life is he talking about? Is he talking about biological life? Is he talking about the ability to walk around and do the things that we do? No, he's talking about eternal life. He's talking about the essence of life. He's talking about Christ. Who is our life? Christ is our life. When we receive Christ, when he comes to live within us, when we have our sins forgiven because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we receive the payment that he made on our behalf that we absolutely could never make for ourselves. What do we have? We have Christ coming to live within us, the Holy Spirit coming to live within us, all of God coming to live within us, and we recognize that Christ is our life. Lastly, it's a message of love. It's a message of love. 1 John 4.16, he says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. And then he says this, God is love. God is love. He, just, he doesn't just have love to give. He doesn't just show love. He is love. Everything that he does has love gift-wrapped around it. He's always thinking about us and doing what's best for us in spite of what we think or in spite of what it cost him. He always is showing love because he is love. The one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. This Christmas, do you know the message of salvation? You know the message of Christmas? Have you experienced God? Have you experienced the Lord? Are you experiencing him on a daily basis? Are you experiencing all the different attributes that God is? His joy, his peace, his life, his love. Do we marvel at his humility and how God chose to come to this earth in order to go to the cross so that we might experience him, be renewed into a right relationship with him? The gospel message, Christmas is a part of that. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me for a moment? What's God doing in your life? What are the things that you're reflecting on, even this morning? What are the circumstances that you've been through or perhaps you're going through? 
that would in some way seem to threaten your peace. They've interfered with your joy, perhaps. You're confused. You can fill in the blank. Are you trusting the Lord? Are you walking with him? Are you experiencing him? Have you received him? Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you recognize that your sin does separate you from God, but that Jesus Christ came in order to pay that penalty so that you might be forgiven, so that I might be forgiven, that we might receive the gift, the greatest gift to humanity ever, which is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, so that we might be forgiven. Christ would come to live within us, that we could experience his life and his joy and his peace, his strength. Perhaps you're here this morning, you've never received Christ. I want to encourage you to do that. Experience hope. Experience forgiveness. Experience love. Because that's who God is. Would you stand with me just for a moment? There's going to be people standing in the front. If you need to come and pray with somebody, if you need to just come and pray at the front, I want to encourage you to do that. Are we experiencing God this Christmas? How's God at work in your life? Take a moment. You do as the Lord would lead you to do. And just take some time to thank him for the message of Christmas, the message of salvation. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.